This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Not at all. Like, what was the point of drafting him? Like, we watched Sam Laporta freaking ball out for the Lions, and guess what? Our tight end got drafted before him. Like, I don't understand. Like, if you're going to draft a guy in the first or second round, and I'm looking at you, Tyree, I'm looking at you, freaking Michael Mayer, like, why are they not more involved in what right. the action on the game? And listen, and like, I know that like Khalil Mack struggled early on, not struggled per se, but he wasn't, he wasn't lighting up the stat sheet early on. And so right. sometimes you got to pass rushers a little bit of, of, of a break. And you look at a guy like Jalen Carter lighting up for, for, for the Eagles. Well, yeah, because the Eagles have an elite defense already, where when you look at the Raider defense, clearly there's a lot of holes. And so they're able Able to like neutralize you take out max crosby and the rest and it's out so i i, I kind of give him a little bit of a pass but i'm with you on the offensive side of the ball like why is it michael mayer getting more involved why did you jump up and grab that guy when the rest of us were looking for you to take something else i don't know like a defensive piece and freaking help us out on the defense but instead you decided to jump up and grab a tight end and at the time i was like huh like what what, what, what are we doing why are we getting a tight end and then I invested a little bit into, into looking at Michael Mayer's career at Notre Dame, and I thought, okay, well, maybe we got a little bit of a baby Dave Casper here. We know yes. we're, we, we're part of ways with Darren Waller. Like, okay, this makes sense. Well, then where is he? Why is he on a freaking milk carton if he was such if he was so valuable that you had to go up there and get him? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me whatsoever, Scott, and I'm with you. It's totally frustrating that this offense is struggling the way that it is. It's like I, I can almost, like, forgive in a way – some some you know vulnerability on defense because right. as we know we have some deficiency in talent on defense absolutely but offensively we should be dang clicking and as far as patrick graham goes like i've seen enough i'm good like if it's time <laughs> to move on and take our senior defensive assistant rob ryan and move him up why else is he in the building if he's not ready to take that spot yet 
let's not have any more defensive coordinator coordinators uh with the initials pg and let's freaking move on because there's not a lot of spirit going even chris collinsworth and i know that he's cringe and i know a lot of people don't like to hear his commentary (laughs) but even he said at the very end there when the raiders blitzed into that bunch formation he's like you literally couldn't call a worse defense than the Raiders just did on that third down yes. play. Like, yes. come yeah. on, man. Like, let's just be better. I mean, like, again, it's very frustrating, and I understand the lack of talent, but, like, but those were, like, you're talking about bad play calls. And what was right. the big rub on 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 Patrick, uh, Patrick Graham, on, on Paul Gunther? was bad play calls. He was sending in plays. The players didn't even know what they were doing. They didn't know what their sets were going to be. They didn't know where to line up. You know what I mean? And we heard that that information firsthand, even from a guy like Will Compton. He's like, he would call in plays. We hadn't even practiced that week. And I feel like <laughs> that's the level of confusion that we have ar- arrived with with Patrick Graham. And it's like, right. no, I'm with you. I'm, 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 I'm out on him. Coordinators always go down first before coaches. That's got to be the first move. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, not only that, and, and your point about Collinsworth's comment about how you could not call a worse defense. I mean, that's telling. I, I Listen, I understand to your point, people look at Collinsworth, they watch him on Sunday night, they think he's cringe. I don't disagree. But I've, I don't know that I've ever heard him say that. I've heard him say a lot of things. But to say that you couldn't call a worse play at the point of the game where it's imperative that you call the right play is very disturbing. And then you add into it the offensive ineptitude, the fact that you cannot move the ball. And during the broadcast too, Murph, the broadcaster said, Chris Collinsworth, of course, Mike Tirico, they said, how is it that this team isn't scoring with the talent they have on the side of the ball? And they're absolutely right. With Devontae Adams, you talked about Michael Mayer, Josh Jacobs, again, 60-some yards, but not able to get it unhooked. I don't understand what's happening with this team. I don't understand. And again, I'm not about firing coaches, but something is not working. It hasn't worked. Didn't work last year with one quarterback. Now you have a new quarterback, the guy they wanted, and he's not distributing the ball equitably, I guess is the right word to use, or at least not spreading it around enough to be able to catch the defense off guard. Yes, they got Hunter Renfro involved a little bit today, but they also didn't get Michael Mayer. Jacoby Myers had opportunities, which was great. He did fine. And, of course, Devontae Adams did well as well. But, again, you cannot have this amount of talent on offense. Yes, you're right, Murph. They're deficient on defense. There's no question about it. But play calling is one thing. But on offense, this team, at the very least, should keep this team this team in games all the time because of the talent they have stacked on offense. But instead, they're underperforming, they're under-executing as well. They're not very disciplined, and that's the thing that bothers me. I'm not talking about penalties, but when you look at execution of plays on a play-by-play basis, it shocks me that you have a coach in his second year and they're still still don't look comfortable. Jimmy Garoppolo is not comfortable back there, and I don't understand it. He's got protection in the passing game. I know he got sacked and had some pressure tonight, but overall it's shocking to me that he's so uncomfortable with a coach he knows going back to his rookie year. Yeah, you know, you guys have been talking about the Jimmy Gimmies. I forget who the yep. who the writer was that you had of the former Raider, or not Raider, uh, Niner reporter. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, that you guys had on your show, and he called it the Jimmy Gimmies. And so uh, it was funny because I thought at the time I thought, well, that might be a little bit of a hater take. You know, that might be a little bit of sour grapes. No, it wasn't. Like, <laughs> it was not like that was a very fair take. And you saw a lot of that Jimmy Gimme going on. You know, the graders going into this game had allowed the lowest amount of pressure uh, of, of a normal front out of any team in the NFL. Like, if you weren't blitzing, the Raiders were able to protect Jimmy Garoppolo better than anybody else in the entirety of the National Football League. That's yeah. a that that that's as a resounding like statement, right? Going or like of that offensive line and and shout out Carmen Brasillo and and that offensive line that caught so much criticism in the offseason. Like I was very proud of that for the Raiders. And so for Jimmy to get happy feet. Like, well, we've seen that. Like, we know what that looks like. We saw that for nine years. Like, we know what happy feet looks like, and it doesn't end well. And so, like, to see that happen again for our team, like, when the pocket isn't terrible, yes, there were some throws, and and the Pittsburgh defense is good. And we, But, again, we knew yes. that coming yes. into this. We knew the Pittsburgh defense was going to be good. So we knew those pressures were going to be there. We knew there was going to be some forced throws. We knew we had to get the running game going. So like those things are expected, but for us defensively to collapse the, the way that we did. And I, I felt like this, Scott, going into to this season, like after seeing the, especially the game against the Broncos, I thought, okay, we're going to be scrappy enough to hang around. Right. And if you give a team enough chances to hang around, with the amount of playmakers we have on offense, we'll win some dang football games and we'll win the games that we should against the teams that are vulnerable. You're right. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And I thought that Pittsburgh was one of those teams and they even proved tonight that they were one of those teams and the Raiders, to your point, couldn't execute to get it done. Where the hell is Hunter? Like I, I go down a rabbit hole, the players that are missing, <laughs> you know, but especially I think the most outstanding is Michael Mayer and Hunter Renfro to me on, on offense. Like yeah. where are those guys, Josh Jacobs got to go in a little bit tonight. Um, but still, man, like for, for somebody that's supposed to be an offensive, you know, guru and with the amount of players that we have and they're capable of uh, their playmaking capability, like you can't not be disappointed again. I'm sure yeah. anybody yeah. listening can hear the, 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 the passion and the disappointment in my voice tonight, because again, I'm the, I'm the guy that's, I'm right or die for the Raiders no matter what, but I'm usually the guy that will look for the things to be optimistic about again until it, there's a reason not to be. And, and tonight, man, this was just a freaking beat down emotionally as a fan. Like it's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to be excited about from this point going forward, unless they just rattle off like four straight, which could be possible when you look at the schedule, yeah, but like even possible. then still, I'm like, yeah. yeah, but I'm like, then we're going to play Miami and we're just going to get our ass kicked and we're going to play <laughs> Kansas city and get our ass kicked and, you know, the Chargers freaking, I don't know how they freaking, you know, only the, only the Vikings can outcharge the Chargers. You know what I mean? Like by, by pulling out that, that very true. Today. And so very true. Talk about defeat from the jaws of victory, man. My gosh. Anyways, but but, I'm, I'm but Murph, no, when, when we went back, when Mo and I were, were right after the draft and we did our kind of, kind of season predictions, I predicted that the Raiders would come out of the first four games at two and two. I said they would beat Denver, lose in Buffalo, beat Pittsburgh, and lose to the Chargers in L.A. I know people will call me crazy because they always play close games in L.A. But that's how I – That's I was optimistic. I said two and two. Um, now you stand at one and two, and you got to go to Los Angeles against a Charger team who, of course, because their coach is an absolute idiot, uh, almost blew the game for them. I mean, he is. He's an idiot. I'm sorry. I don't care what he's they say. Terrible. He's an idiot. He's an he's idiot. Terrible. 
Um, but they won despite him. And and Justin Herbert put up an amazing day, 470 yards and just crazy, crazy day. Now you got to go face that. You got to go face that. You're off the offense in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I don't know what to say. If, if you had an offensive coordinator, which you do, it's Nick Lombardi, but he's not really the offensive coordinator, so I'm not going to take it out on him. But Josh McDaniels is the guy. It, it's brutal. And not only is it brutal, but your quarterback is not making good decisions. If you look at the three interceptions he he fired away today, Murph, none of them. I, you know, you can look at an interception and say, okay, well, he tried to put the ball in, it got tipped, whatever. These All three of these were bad, ill-advised passes. So... I'm looking at this offense, to your point, can you put together a couple wins here and change people's minds? Yeah, you could, but why would you think it's going to happen? Because early on in this season, I've tried to remain positive myself covering the team objectively, and I just can't. After watching tonight's game, it's it's alarming to me how how poorly managed the team is, how poorly quarterback the team is, and I just don't understand What's happening here? I don't understand how the coaching staff can walk away from a week at the office and say, yeah, we're good. I mean, I don't get it. I go, And I'm not trying to be overly negative, Murph, as you know. And you're a really positive guy. So I know you're not either. But it's hard to tell a Raider, to look a Raider fan in the eyes and say, well, don't worry. It's only early in the season. Yeah, it ain't. It, it's, it's getting light quick. I mean, th- this was the run. This this was the chunk of games in here that we were supposed to, you know, rattle off and against teams that 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 we should beat, and you know we're not. And, and so I, I'm I'm I differ with you a little bit on the Chargers because I think that that's a home game for the Raiders, and we always play well True. in LA against the Chargers. I feel pretty good about our matchup against the Giants. I feel pretty good about our matchup against the Bears, who got dog walked today. Like yeah. I think there are some very winnable games in there. But, like, you know, when you look at Vegas and, like, last year they pegged us at, like, six and a half wins as far as the over-under. This year I think it was, like, well, like, right at six or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. funny when that stuff comes out and I'm always like, that's laughable. Like, like look, like, look at the Raiders. <laughs> there's, there's a reason they have all those bright-ass lights and they give you free breakfast. Like, it's, it's crazy <laughs> to me, like, how they freaking call this stuff. And here you go, man. Like, I mean – you know, uh, shout out BetMGM Sportsbook, but I bet the Raiders and parlays and all kinds of stuff heavy against the Steelers tonight because, it. I mean, this was this was the game. Again, going back to the idea that it's like we're on, we're on the biggest of stage. So when you're on the biggest of stage, you would hope that your team rises to that occasion. And so when they don't, I mean, and I'm not saying that like a loss on, you know, noon on a Sunday is, is better than losing on Sunday night football. But it, there is a little extra mustard and, and or should be on it um, when you're playing on those stages. And the Raiders haven't risen to the occasion. And, and I would say this, that, like, when was the last time, was the time that the Raiders mm. did against the Chargers in Vegas uh, with Rich Bisaccia led? Like, mm-hmm. playoff Willie, shout out on the sidelines. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the last time that the Raiders rose to the occasion. Yep. And even in that game. And those, and I have people throw this at me a lot to be like, oh, the Raiders under Basaccio, like we close out those four games. Yeah, we had a lot of things go in our favor. We had to have a lot of other teams lose. The Raiders had a lot of teams do a lot of bad things in order for us to get that. And in that game, even we were up by what? I don't remember the numbers, and somebody will, you know, shout me out in the chat, hopefully pick me up here. 
They were up by like, what, 17? I was even at that game, and I can't remember. But we were up at like 17, and we <laughs> let the freaking Chargers come all the way back and tie up the game, and then we had to win it with a Daniel Carlson field goal. And uh, so even in that, like, like we were squeaking by, and we were squeaking by on emotion. And, and, like, and so, like, that was the last time I can remember the Raiders, like, really closing it out and really playing, like, on the biggest of stages. And, even, and then you want to go before that? I don't know when. When? 2016 and even then it kind of got up because the way Derek got hurt and we went down the tubes there at the end like you know so you had you had the riverboat jack early on and you know against the saints and blah 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 anyways i'll save you the trip down memory lane but my point is though is that like <laughs> when the raiders shown up and balled out when the, in the biggest of stages it's i mean like that's that charger game and then that's it and it's yeah. and then you gotta roll the clock way back and way back. you know i've yeah. turned the calendar yeah. enough time to, to remember those days but scott ugh, those were they were a long time ago <laughs> well and I, I look at it this way murph and, and i agree with you to your point you know it, being in the state of okay if we're going to think about the future then then play the kid play aiden o'connell let's see what he can do and i and i think they may get there but i think it's too early i think as disappointing as it is to stand here today and be at one and two, um, it's going to have to take time, right? You're going to have to, you're going to have to see what they do. If they can beat the chargers and get things back on track and get this offense on track. Great. That's fine. I thought the defense, while it had its negative moments played better tonight, you saw some more pressure up the middle, especially early on. And you saw some, you saw Jenkins had a great game. He blew up a couple of huge plays. You saw Divine Diablo, I thought, had a great game overall. Um, and so you started to see some things on defense. I'm not excusing Patrick Graham and his play calling, but as far as a performance goes, I saw some encouraging signs from some players up front. But when it comes to the offense, outside of Devontae Adams, yes, Josh Jacobs had 60-some yards, and that was fine, but Jimmy Garoppolo underperformed. We didn't see the offensive line perform as well. Jermaine Illuminor, who who I've always championed as a pretty good right tackle, had a really rough night. Even Colton Miller had a rough night, Murph. So it was one of those types of games where pretty much you could find fault at all levels of the offense and the defense. I I agree, and I would ask you this then, Scott, and I and mm-hmm. I would I would I, mean, I would push back a little bit. Is that at what point, like, why would you not want to shift towards what your future would would and or should be? Like, at what point is it hubris when mm-hmm. the team is lacking success and you stay invested into whatever your plan and your system was? And if anything I've been critical of, of Josh McDaniels and or any other coach that has the mentality of, I need to come into this situation and then start to acquire personnel to fit my scheme. Mm. I don't understand that. And I never will at any sport on any level. I think that the true talent from coaching is when you can walk into a situation and go, here's what I have. And here's what I'm going to design to take advantage and and to, and to put my players in the best position possible to be as successful as they possibly can be. That's the true talent of coaching. You can yeah. be the greatest strategist in the entire world, 
but the greatest leaders are the ones that share their vision and then enable their followers to execute that vision in a way that enables their success, not your own. So going into this thing, and that's where I feel that like, I'm like at this point, like you've, we've had two years now of seeing what this looks like and it doesn't look good. So where, like, why are we not changing? Why are we not adjusting? And maybe those those conversations are happening. And maybe those strategy meetings are happening behind the scenes that we as fans don't know. But on the surface and what the visuals are and the optics are to us as fans is that you're staying in your lane and you're not adapting to those things around you. And because of that, it's like it, you start to lose us. And so yeah. I'm with you, but like, I don't want to like, I'm not going to start calling for people's heads and like, and I don't want to see anybody lose their job. And I want the Raiders to be successful. I want Patrick Graham to be the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of the sport. I want Josh <laughs> to be the most successful head coach in the history of the sport. But when it gets to a point to where things aren't working and if you're not willing to then make changes and just say like, Oh, we got to get better going into next week and we got to execute some things better. Like I'm, I'm going to save all the curse words, but like we kind of, <laughs> that as fans like you lose us when you lose the fans like i mean maybe you can keep your job but like i don't know like you start you know if you start don't start winning games and proving it like what do we what 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 kind of proof is there that these things are working like other than theory and again so you can you can you can state your vision but if we can't like embrace it and see it and like I don't know. I'm getting all, I don't want to get all too deep in the weeds on there. I'm trying to get all freaking philosophical <laughs> on anybody here. But like the point being though, is that like, it's, it's kind of becomes, gosh, BSE. I'll use right. that term. It right. was BSE. But, but, but you're right because you're Murph, right. listen, this team made some big decisions in the off season. They let go of their nine year quarterback. Okay. So they brought in their guy and you know what? You bring in your guy. That's fine. That's your prerogative. But if it's not working, it's not working. And listen, Three games, I know there's 14 weeks left. I get it. It's a long season. But there's been nothing, nothing to look at here that makes you think that things are going to get better. And that's what's discouraging, not only from a fan perspective, but if I'm a roster player on this Raiders team, it's like, wait, if I'm Josh Jacobs, well, wait a minute. If I'm Devontae Adams, wait a minute. You brought in a new quarterback because this was going to make us better. And guess what? We're not. We're not better. So now what are you going to do? What are you, what are you going to do to change the culture here? What are you going to do to change the talent level here? And the answer is not an easy one because I don't see the Raiders, what their plan is on defense. Uh, okay. They got Tyree Wilson in the draft. Gotcha. Ja'Korian Bennett. Gotcha. Understand. But overall, did it make us much better right away? The answer is no. And if the answer is no, then suddenly the question is, well, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for five years from now? Are you waiting for three years from now? Are you waiting for two years from now? What's the deal? And I, I understand rebuilding. And I understand the Raiders were kind of in a mini-me uh, build, or rebuild, excuse me, uh, uh, Murph. But at the same time, you have to show progress. And that's my issue is I don't see – I saw a little progress on defense tonight, so I want to give them some credit. But when it comes to the offense especially, I don't see anything. I see a, a regression – and if you're a regression from a six and 10 team, what does that mean? To me, the ultimate sign of bad coaching is regression. Like that's, yes. there's nothing worse than that. Like there's nothing more indicting than a team that goes backwards. And so I'm with you that while we looked 
slightly improved defensively tonight. We were also going up against an ass offense. Like let's, <laughs> let's not freaking like mint it here. Like yes. that offense is nothing to freaking shout about. And so to have the team as an overall regress like that again, and you got to go to the top, man. And, and I'm, Yes, I really, I even I I hate it. I hate talking about it because I feel like like it's such a common thing or like an easy thing. Like I always try to be uh, in terms of like as, again, I'm not a film guy. I'm not a former player. Mm-hmm. I'm not an analyst. I'm just a I'm just a crazy ass Raider fan with a love for this football team. And so when when I look at at, at the team, I try to go past the path of least resistance. I try not to just point at one thing and just go, well, that guy sucks. And so that's why we suck. Well, I, I try to look at like, okay, well, like what are the layers of it? Like, what are the, what, what's like, let's, let's dig in a little bit and let's find some things that would lead to the success or lack thereof. But ultimately as of right now, since we moved on from Basacha and all the people that were critical of the Raiders for moving on from Basacha and even Mike Mayock to a certain extent, all those people are, as of this point, are proven right. You're all right. None, none of you are wrong. All of you are absolutely correct in saying that we have taken a playoff team and ran it down the freaking down mm. the tube into a. And so you, you're not wrong. Now, while we can debate around why were the Raiders successful and what was their emotion that com, that propelled them to that success and whatever, all the different things that it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, as Bill Murray said to me, Paul. <laughs> At the end of the day, all those people are correct. And so I got to point my finger at Josh McDaniels and ask him why. And I would also, to those, and I don't know what the, the press conferences are like tonight, but I would implore the beat writers, press him. Yeah. Press him in the freaking press conference. Like, literally press him at the press. Let's find out what's going on. Let's not do any of this fluffy, you know, you know, all is the kumbaya hand holding questions. Press him to Sean Reed. Press him, Hondo. Press him, Vic. Press him. Let's find out what the hell is going on with this goddamn football team. Like, you know, and I'm not calling those guys up by name. Like, I and our beat writers are great. And but my point being though is that like, let's not just make this easy for them. Let's let them feel a little bit of this because we're the ones that are buying the tickets. We're the ones that are buying the shirts. We're the ones that are freaking doing shows about it. We're the ones that are freaking funding this the entirety of this organization. Have our back. Have our back and freaking press this coach and this GM on what the hell's going on with our team. And if they don't have a good answer for you, then Mark Davis, like, let's start considering what we're going to do in the next season. Because, look, man, you want to establish a fan base mm-hmm. in Las Vegas? And have terrible towels waving all around, then freaking win your goddamn home opener. Sorry, Scott, I'm getting a little emotional now. It's ah, dude, you're on a roll. I was not going to stop you because it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing, but you're right. The the tough questions need to be answered because um, it it might only be three games in, but you can clearly see some things, and you have to ask the questions about them.